my record button. So we are going to do probably just one verse, although if it goes a little quicker, it doesn't usually, but if it does, uh, we'll press on a little from there. So you've heard that verse mentioned, 1 John 1, 5. Uh, I think Mark Dew said it was his favorite verse, so and it's probably he's not the only one here. Um, so... Uh, I guess, Mark, since I pick on you often, I'll pick on you again. Uh, if you would read the first five verses, because I kind of want us to lead into that verse again. Okay, I'd be happy to. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Okay, thank you. So, you know, I always kind of feel like it's, it's where you've got, um, sometimes they're more often in cartoons than anywhere else, but somebody labors up a mountain and he finally gets to the top, to the wise man up there who's going to tell him uh, the secret to life. Uh, this is a little more seriously that way, where you have... Uh, John saying, so we've heard this messenger, we've seen him, we've touched him. Uh, and so this is not just hearsay. And he is really the messenger. And so uh, he speaks what he's going to speak in verse 5. He wants them to have fellowship with his disciples, fellowship with God the Father, fellowship with Jesus Christ and share together in a completed joy. So he's, he makes some pretty big um, benefits of all this. And, and certainly verse five isn't the only thing he's proclaiming, but it's a, it's a huge start that a lot of the rest flows out of. And so this message that he kind of quickly builds to is um, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And it is one of those ones where the more you look at a verse like that, the more you go, wow. I mean, that, that is a powerful verse, and it is truly jam-packed uh, with meaning. So we're going we're gonna to go through it, but I, I kind of wanted to start with when you think of God is light, uh, what kind of meanings, uh, and you can add the second half of that sentence too, that there's no darkness at all. But what do you think of that God is light? Because there's more than one meaning to that. Anytime I think about God is light, I just think about the image of being in a dark cave. It's completely dark, I mean, a really dark cave. Okay. And just the smallest light lights up the whole, it permeates every corner of the, of the room. Okay. So when I think about it, I think that image of, of God being Okay, so that's good, but you still left us in an image. 
So, okay, so take it a little beyond that. So what do, what do we mean by God is light? Is he just incredibly bright, like brighter than the sun or, yep. Wisdom, yeah, okay, good. Uh, that is definitely one. Josh? What springs out to me immediately would be truth, i.e. light revealing truth, and rightness, which is a much more metaphorical interpretation of light, but light does generally get associated with good. So, okay, so you got truth and you've got good, which so are a little different. incorruptible, okay. Conscious, okay. And Okay, all right, you packed a fair bit in there. Yep. Um, pure, completely separated from sin. Okay, so perfectly pure. Okay, certainly fits with the no darkness at all, JJ. Um, also, just like awakening, you can receive the light. Okay, like illuminating, awakening. Okay, anything else? Josh. Light's a positive, but there is no negative to go with it. It's not light versus darkness. It's light and absence of light. Good. Okay. All right. So that is, uh, that is a lot of the things we'll look at. But it just is really rich. And, I, you know, even taking some time this morning, we won't even come close to the whole scriptural speaking about it. So this is not exhaustive, but hopefully it'll be helpful. Um, so... The first thing on your sheet there, uh, so when we say that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, he is perfect in holiness or moral purity, you could say. And on these, you can either just listen to the verses or you can turn to them. So 1 John 3, 5, so in this same book, a little farther on, says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So he's perfectly pure. And then a, a couple verses that actually speak about light in that same context. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership, and it's going to give a parallel, have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light? with darkness. So it's paralleling light with righteousness, darkness with lawlessness. And similarly, Ephesians 5, 7, therefore do not become partakers with them for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of light is found in all that is, so here's the fruit of light, all that is good and right and true. So a lot of the things that Josh mentioned. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So that would be another description of the light. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And here's even a, another little nuance of this. Um, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So you have not only that it's, it's good and right and true, but it's, it's open, it's visible. Uh, it's not hidden in some uh, inappropriate way. And then finally, um, when Jesus is speaking to Paul, 
Uh, and Paul is relating how Jesus appeared to him uh, and gave him the mission to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. And then again, a parallel, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. So you've got uh, one person kind of put all this together and said, the message is that God is completely, unreservedly, absolutely holy with no admixture of sin, no taint of iniquity, and no hint of injustice. So you can take that a couple different ways. Uh, it's spectacular, it's magnificent, it's uh, awesome. Uh, but the word I've got there, the next blank there, is the terrifying aspect of this. And the other thing I was going to, it's incomprehensible. Okay. It's just not something that we, I mean, we can say that God is completely holy. Yeah. But that's such a foreign thing to us. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Okay, good. So it's interesting, though, that some people immediately think of the terrifying. I don't know that most do. But, uh, you know, you hear those descriptions of God, but... Uh, you know, for example, 1 Timothy 6.16 says, Who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. And then Isaiah 6.1 is a very well-known one that you're familiar with where um, it says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And I said, wow, what an amazing looking God. No, he said, woe is me. For I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And it does seem like when people get a, a vision, like when uh, Jesus said, or sorry, Moses said, show me your glory and he asked God to do that. God said, you know, no person can see me and live. And so he hides him in a little cleft in the rock and we don't know exactly what this looked like, but he saw um, the back of God as he passed, whether that was literally Jesus. But the point of it is, it's, it was too much. It wasn't something that he could uh, truly handle to see um, the glory of God. Um, so again, the terrifying part, Psalm 5, 4, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. And even though we say, well, he loves the sinner and hates the sin, there are places in scripture that say things like that, that you hate all evildoers and that you do not delight in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. And then if if you're thinking rightly, your next 
thought, at least uh, apart from Christ, is I'm an evildoer. I mean, I may, I may do some things that people say are good, but I am clearly an evildoer. Um, C.S. Lewis, I, I quote him quite a bit, and I think I'll just say, and most of you know this, uh, he's not the guy you go to to get your fine points of theology. He's got plenty of things that you read and you go, yeah, I don't think that's quite right. Um, but he did have an amazing gift of taking complex things and putting them clearly. And so that's why I think he gets quoted a lot. It's certainly why I quote him on certain things. So uh, here's what he says about all this. He says, this is the fix we are in. If the universe is not governed by an absolute goodness, then all our efforts are in the long run hopeless. But if it is, then we are making ourselves enemies to that goodness every day and are not in the least likely to do any better tomorrow. And so our case is again hopeless. We cannot do without it and we cannot do with it. God is the only comfort and he is also the supreme terror. The thing we most need and the thing we most want to hide from. He is our only possible ally and we have made ourselves his enemies. Some people talk as if meeting the gaze of absolute goodness would be fun. They need to think again. They are still only playing with religion. I think he says that really well. Um, did you have something, Mark? Well, I was just saying, um, mm -hmm. Paul says about this terror, the verse that I don't see in there, is that it's a motivation for evangelism. Second Corinthians, he says, knowing the mm -hmm. terror of the Lord, I persuade men. Yeah. I think about that a lot. It's yeah. That's a good one. That's, he's thinking about all that you're saying. It seems Paul has in his mind. Right. And says that's his motivation to preach. Yeah, yeah. And translated terror, yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, I yeah. I immediately thought of Hebrews 10.31, too. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the mm -hmm. angels Good, yeah. Yeah, like I said, this is not exhaustive. We could come up with a lot. So, yeah, if one's hit you that you think say it well, feel free. Um, all right, so yeah, this perfect, this light, this absolute unapproachable light and holiness, particularly that aspect of it, and we're going to look at other aspects of light, but, but certainly I don't think it's just his holiness that's being talk of, talked about, but it's not less than that either. It certainly includes that. So the next thing on your sheet there is the joyful aspect of this. There is a joyful aspect to his holiness. Um, and it's reflected sometimes in the way he communicates. So Psalm 19.8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And so when God speaks out of his nature and gives us his commandments, um, they're described as rejoicing the heart. And, and I, think, uh, I think we can understand that when you think of this world and um, the more you read, the more you hear, the more years you live, the darker it seems. Uh, 
certainly to me, uh, and I think probably to most people, that there just seems to be darkness in everything, things that you thought, oh wow, what a great guy, or what a great person, or what a great organization. It, it just, you almost get this feeling of, I almost don't want to find out too much more. I don't want it to go, out, go on too much longer where I'm in relationship uh, because we find it. And we don't have to look past ourselves. I mean, we may have times where we, uh, particularly as believers, where the Spirit helps us to do things that really do have some legitimate uh, things that please the Lord by God's grace. Uh, but we also... Uh, just have reactions and uh, again I can certainly speak for myself where I just go wow I just thought I was farther along in the Lord than to react like that or to even feel like that um, in response where, where we may know the right way to respond and we just don't um, and so to know okay but there is actually a being who is perfect and there's nothing, no zero zip darkness in him is a pretty spectacular thought and, and extremely encouraging. Uh, again, there's, there's that terrifying part, but there is also uh, just a magnificent, joyful part to know that there is this being behind the universe who's perfect no darkness in him, and, and not only no lack of holiness, no sin, uh, but even the other things we're going to walk through, none of them is deficient. He has all of that. Um, all right. And so then how the uh, terrifying aspect becomes the joyful aspect is the next thing on your sheet because we would like to not just be in terror. Um, uh, when it talks about later in this book, perfect love casting out fear, we'll kind of sift through that uh, a bit more. But, but again, there is a legitimate fear of the Lord that should stay there, but it shouldn't be a, a cringing, um, just waiting to be struck uh, reaction to God. He's, he's called our Father uh, for a reason, a perfect father. So, of course, we know that that terrifying aspect being changed to the joyful aspect is through Christ. Uh, and there's even a, a hint of that in that passage we read about uh, Isaiah, where he says, woe is me. And the response is one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth and said behold this has touched your lips uh, and you may think well what you know what is that a burning coal um, but it says uh, behold your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for and that's that's what changes it from just pure terror to uh, joy and gratitude and uh, in a more uh, I guess New Testament fullness uh, in a couple of verses we're going to see in 1st John 2 verse 1 my little children I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin 
But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation, so the payment, the atonement for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And don't ask me about whole world yet. We're gonna, <laughs> we'll come to that, but that's one of those ones that jumps out and goes, really? Uh, but anyway, the, the thing there that, that jumps out again, you, you think of when you have an advocate, there are some advocates that they're, they're all for you, but they're kind of weak. And they might be a little bit of help, but maybe not that much. Um, where when you've got Christ, you've got someone who has chosen us and who has complete power, uh, who is able to be a perfect advocate and as that advocate has given himself for our sins. Uh, again, just a, such a powerful way that that perfect holiness of God becomes something that we can just rejoice in because Christ has taken us to the place where we can be in his presence. So when it says um, in, in that other verse where it said, uh, no evil may dwell with you, that evil is, is atoned for, is taken away from us. All right, so then D there on your sheet, the practical outflow. Uh, so what do we do with that? Um, obviously one thing is we rejoice in it and we give thanks for it, but we should be like him in holiness. So, you know, you, you kind of work through a passage like this and you look at the words and so on. But then, you know, I like to hear what solid preachers say and occasionally one comes up that I'm like, I don't really know that person. And you, you might listen and um, sometimes you, you just have to go, yeah, I don't think that'll be one of my sources in the future. Uh, like there was one who was very quick to say, so we have this advocate. So, uh, I mean, it basically by the time he was done describing, it was kind of like, so it doesn't really matter all that much how we live because you know Christ has taken care of all that and, and we know we all sin terribly and again there's always this little nugget of truth in there but there's also um, a sense that well we're going to see that first John doesn't want us to go that far so let me read you first um, John 1 6 and 7 the next two verses that come after that it says if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness so we're going to talk about walking in darkness uh, probably next time. We lie and do not practice the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So at that point we're seeing, okay, so walking uh, in the light, uh, not walking in darkness is having fellowship with him, fellowship with one another, and being cleansed from sin. First uh, Peter 1.15 says, Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So, kind of breaking that down, not perfectly sinless like God. So that's where First uh, John, moving a little further in this, passage, verse 8, 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, so you can almost see John, and, and we'll dig into those a little more in the future, but you can kind of see he's going, well, okay, so God is uh, perfect light. There's no darkness. So um, if we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, we, uh, we lie and don't practice the truth, that somebody can go to the point, and some do go to that and say, so we really sh should be able to get to the point of sinless perfection. And there are uh, thankfully, relatively small groups that uh, believe that, that you can get to the point where you really don't sin at all. I don't know how you get there, <laughs> that, that your conscience becomes that seared or, or your definition of sin becomes that skewed that uh, you think that. But uh, John seems to have realized some might listen to that and go, oh, okay, so I need to become sinless. And so he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, and so he's not talking about perfect sinlessness. When he says walking in the light, not in darkness, it's not perfect sinlessness more. So would you characterize what he's saying here that is he's speaking to non-believers? in a, in a uh, evangelistic way, or is he talking about believers as to uh, uh, how to increase the sanctification? I think he's mostly talking to believers, because as it, as it keeps developing, it's, it more and more talks about keeping his commandments and so on, and it seems to be talking to believers. So that's how I would take it. Okay, um, so not perfectly sinless, but number two, but seeking to be holy like him by keeping his commandments. So again, we're going to come back to some of this later, but I want you to just kind of see the flow of this. So God is light, no darkness at all. We need to walk in the light, not in darkness, or we're just fooling ourselves, but then but by the way, if you think you have no sin, you're also deceiving yourselves. And then chapter two, the first three verses says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, then he's the propitiation. And then verse three, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So again, just to kind of give you a grid, uh, Jay has given you a bit of a grid to kind of look at John as he circles back in this letter and hits different things. Um, it's not, you know, there's nothing uh, inspired in any uh, serious sense about this little thing. But I've got in following the message of 1 John, um, you want to not lose the plot. And that's just a little memory device. Uh, people in medicine use them all the time. So I think I just naturally do. But um, so P, perseverance. And I, I'm going to give you like one verse for each one. But as, as we go through, um, I'll give you the, 
the blanks and then I'll give you the passages. So P is for perseverance that in all these things, these other things that you continue, that you don't just leave them. In fact, actually, let me, um, let me read that one. First John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are all not of us. And I'd add um, verse 24 of 1 John 2. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So when he's, you know, as Jay said, he's trying to reassure them about that they have the signs of a believer. Now he also, there's, there's no getting around, there's the flip side of that, or if they don't, I mean, that's when he says, if you say this and you're doing this, you're a liar. I mean, he's just very blunt about that. So it does both. It affirms the believers, but it also may stir up unbelievers to think again and hopefully pursue Christ. So one of the things is they need to persevere. The next word is love. He speaks a lot about um, that love should be very evident uh, in their lives. Let me pull that one up. So two, eight through 10, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So again, talking about dark and light. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So he talks a lot about the right uh, kind of love being evident uh, obedience, uh, even that verse we just read about, uh, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Um, and then T would be trust in the truth. First John 2.22, who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So you, you could break it down into different ways, but, but I do find as I go through the whole letter that you see continual emphasis on are you persevering in these things? Are you abiding in them? Are you staying in them? Uh, are, you, um, are you loving not only God rightly, but your fellow believers. Because if you say you love God who you can't see and you hate the ones you can see, uh, then you're in darkness. Um, and then obedience, that somebody who says, you know, I'm, I'm of the light, but is walking in this ungodly darkness, uh, they should also question it. And then that they're holding on to the truth of scripture. And he kind of keeps rotating, you can almost you know, put uh, passage after passage in, in one of those categories. So, so kind of use that maybe as, as another way to sort of see 
John's uh, things that he's going to hit over and over. So when he says walk in the light, it's going to be all of those um, things frequently repeated. All right, so that's all under that whole general category of uh, that God being light with no darkness is that he's perfectly holy uh, with perfect moral purity. The next would be that he's perfect in knowledge. And some of you mentioned uh, things to that effect. So there's no ignorance. There's no darkened understanding. Um, like e even believers, when it speaks, um, like in 1 Corinthians 13, that we see through a glass darkly. Um, God reveals things that are precious and perfectly true, but we don't know it all. Uh, and I think that's a wonderful thing to, for all of us to remember when we're talking to people, even when we're disagreeing uh, with somebody, you know, it's okay to have our positions, we all should, but somewhere in the back of our head should always be, we disagree, and I might be the one who's wrong. Uh, now, you still sift it and look, and you try to hold on to the truth, that doesn't mean you just become all waffly and don't. Uh, take a position, but I think it's crucial that we uh, understand that we are definitely not God. We are not perfect light with no darkness at all in our understanding. And again, if you look at um, right within this letter, so First John 3, um, the end of verse 20 where it says, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. That's not us. We don't know everybody's heart uh, and be, we all need to be pretty careful about not judging someone's heart and uh, assigning motives for what they did. Even if sometimes when we see somebody do something, we think, well, if I said that, here's what I would have been thinking or here's, here's what I would have been trying to do. And that may not be what they're trying to do. So we don't know their heart. We don't know everything God does. And then in uh, John 12, 35, so not one of his letters, but the Gospel of John, uh, it says, Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. So that idea of just even knowing where we're going. Um, once again, I'm gonna quote him once more today. Lewis, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I can see it, but because by it I see everything else. Uh, it's a good statement on. So God has perfect uh, knowledge no darkness at all, no ignorance, nothing that he didn't understand. Sometimes it's tempting to think we need to explain things to God because he apparently didn't understand that this needed to be done this way and so on. And we may not say it that way, but lurking in our minds can be those kind of thoughts. Uh, anybody want to say anything else about God being perfect in knowledge? Okay. All right, so next he's perfect in his exposure of good and evil. That siren was well-timed. Uh, so perfect in his exposure of good and evil. 
again, the Gospel of John. John 3.19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and man loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his words have been carried out in God. So perfect in his exposure of good and evil. So as we read his word, um, I mean, Paul talks about even uh, that he didn't really uh, covet uh, until the law taught him about it. And then it seemed like he had all kinds of coveting. And there are um, times where uh, we are taught and convicted of things that we hadn't really even thought of as, as right or wrong. But we wanna, we wanna get so we move toward that, uh, not hiding away from it. And I, th I think of that frequently, even with one another, it's not that we need to confess uh, every sin to every person in a church. I mean, there is appropriate friendships and, and marriages and things like that that are the, the right place for that. But, just that, that general sense that exposing our lives and our sins, um, as well as the good things that God's doing to other believers is a helpful thing in, in terms of uh, bringing it into the light. It does seem like things kept in the darkness where nobody knows about it uh, tend to gain more power over us and uh, not less. All right, number for uh, light, God's perfect light, he's the source of physical and spiritual life. And that is a, a, also a frequent parallel. John 1, 4 says in him, that's Christ, was life and the life was the light of men. Uh, Psalm 36, 9, with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Uh, and so God being perfect light is often uh, put in parallel with being the source of physical life and also spiritual life. All right, number five, the manifestation of absolute glory. And by the way, you know, I think of, so that verse could have said um, God is, you know, perfect knowledge or God is perfect holiness. And that, that would have been great. But the fact that he uses that word, I just love uh, the weight of it and the number of different things that it communicates all in one word. Um, so the manifestation of absolute glory, uh, when it talks in Revelation, it says, the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. And then a little later in Revelation, night will be no more, they will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Um, and even back in Isaiah 60, the sun shall be no more your light by day nor for brightness shall the moon give you light but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. So that whole sense of the magnificence, the glory of God being our light, uh, we don't see it that way yet in anything like the fullness that it's described um, 
in the next life. All right, number six, it's the source of perfect joy and peace. So again, you know, in case we would just take it as, um, you know, again, his holiness, his perfect knowledge, ooh, he knows everything I'm thinking, and just take that all negatively. Um, I love that passage, uh, really talking about the coming of Christ. In Luke 1, 78, it says, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so it calls him the sunrise from on high because it brought because of the tender mercy of our God. And, um, I don't know if you're in a place where you see a lot of sunrises, but I have to say they, uh, sunrises never get old to me. I, I love seeing all the different ways that God brings a sunrise and all the different manifestations. And it is, uh, it's kind of a sense of joy and peace in just seeing God's given another day and he ordered this. And sometimes it's just a cloudy, uh, horizon, but a lot of times it's uh, varying levels of just spectacular. Um, so this, so much more the sunrise from on high that, that Christ is. And just that picture of those sitting in darkness in the shadow of death, it just sounds grim and miserable. And here comes a sunrise on it. And even that last phrase to guide our feet into the way of peace, it just almost is describing, not even just pointing and going, that's the way of peace, but it's like literally guiding uh, our feet into that way of peace. Um, so the source of perfect joy and peace. And then finally, perfect love. First um, John 2, 8. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment. So we've read this, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who, he sa who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. So again, that, that connection between walking in the light, being in the light, God being the light, that that is perfect love. And the one other uh, well-known passage from uh, this same letter, 1 John 4, 16, we have come uh, to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. So our verse is saying God is light. Uh, later on it's going to say God is love. And the two certainly are parallels. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Uh, so it's just again another one of those things that if we're wondering if we're walking in the light it's not just do we know ton of theology and know how to answer difficult questions. Do we find ourselves by God's grace loving other people even um, getting to the point where we love difficult people? Most of us are difficult at some level or another. If you get to know anybody really well, you're going to usually find some things. I, I always like, I think I heard Chris say this as well as some others. You know, the, all these one another's, you, you have to get to the point where you know people well enough to be annoyed by them. And I do think uh, that we should see that uh, in us, that there are times where 
And we have to just ask for it if, if we are not seeing it, that God gives us a love for people that are particularly difficult in our life. I can honestly say not in my case, but sometimes those are spouses, sometimes those are kids, sometimes those are people very close to you. So, all right. So let's, let's at least, yeah, yeah, go so ahead. They went through perfect and holiness, perfect in knowledge, perfect uh, is exposure to evil, uh, perfect uh, is uh, he's the source of life. And it seems to me, and then we, it seems to me, so we should strive to be holy as he is holy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We should strive to love as he loves. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we can't strive to to be have perfect knowledge. We can't strive to have perfect and perfect exposure of good and evil apart from the word, mm-hmm. right? So, so we have to go to the word for those. Yep. And then when we talk about the source of life and the manifestation of glory and the source of joy and peace, there we just have to point to Christ. We can't we can't attain those things, right? Right. We can't attain being the source of life. Yeah. There's no way. We can't uh, may, we can't. But we can attain to absolute glory or being the source of joy and peace. But we have to point to Christ. Yeah. But holiness and love. Yeah, and I, I might go a little farther. Like I would say perfect knowledge. I mean, we're not going to be perfect in love. We're not going to be perfect in holiness. We're not going to be perfect in knowledge. But I, I think I, I agree with your basic point. The work. It's got to be. Sure. It's got to come from the work. That's yeah. the only way. But so does love and so does sure. holiness. So. Sure. Yeah. But, but to your point, there are a couple ones that are just kind of God alone, like his perfect glory and things like that. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting, John MacArthur just pretty much makes a parallel of life. Well, he's the source of life and things like that. And uh, I think we're allowed to uh, disagree even with uh, really good pastors, but it just, to me, it, yeah, it has so much more to it. And yeah, some of the things that we can fully pursue only, always only in power of the Spirit and His Word. But Okay, any other comments on that? Yep, Jay. I was just thinking of, um, but we have a role in that, like in First John 2, 5, it says that whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. So part of that process, and then particularly in John First John 4, verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God. We love one another. God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. In 4.17, by this is love perfected in us, so that we may have the the day of judgment. And then 4.18, original fear and love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That, that process actually happens. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no question in, in all of these, or, you know, or that verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, that talks about keeping his commandments, that we definitely have a role. We don't just, you know, we should see God working in ways that are beyond our, just our efforts, but our efforts are still a part of it. Yeah. Okay. I think in Corinthians that he, uh, Paul expresses um, that kind of same concept that you just brought up in 1510 where he says, um, I labored harder 
from all the apostles. Mm -hmm. that, but uh, not I, but God in me. Right. right. So the idea is I'm working hard, yeah. but, but all the glory goes to Christ. Good, yeah. Okay. All right, any other comments? Okay, so let's at least dip in a little bit. Um, verse 6, and we, a couple of these uh, we've read. Uh, so now it's going to kind of shift from God being perfect light uh, with no darkness at all. And again, I just encourage you, la later on when you get a minute, just ponder that a little. It's a uh, pretty spectacular thought to dwell on. Uh, but verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I do think the, the, the holiness and the um, growing in the knowledge of God are certainly uh, two really big ones. Uh, and again, we talked about love, trusting in the truth, those different things. I think that's where that plot part helps uh, a little bit but but it's all John is always so <laughs> I mean, he's dark and light black and white one but you say somebody's really a black and white person uh, he seems to intentionally and again moved by the Holy Spirit be very black and white so are you in darkness or are you in light and sometimes uh, that can that can be a wrestle because sometimes we feel like that's just too black and white. I mean, that's just because um, there's nuances. I mean, we have things where we're walking in the light, but we do dark things. And uh, so it's not to say that this is always for the individual person uh, child's play, but I do think um, nevertheless to give us those clear categories in which we can kind of sift. Where are we? Uh, and I, I do think John's intention seems to be that he's mostly talking to believers and seeking to reassure them. But, but the reassurance doesn't come easily in the sense of uh, no fear. I mean, I think as you read certain things and you go, wow, I really have a problem with this person and I don't like them and I, I'm really wrestling with that. I've asked God to help me and I'm still wrestling with it. I, I mean, most of us have, uh, if not all, uh, things like that, or some besetting sin that you're working on. And again, I don't think we should ever just get, oh, ho-hum, that doesn't matter. But at the same time, uh, to realize most people do wrestle and that the Lord walks them through that, but we should see some growth happening there. But it doesn't mean that, oh, you know, if I'm walking in the light, everything is just, you know, perfect every day and I am just uh, immediately the most loving person and I never uh, lose my temper, I never start to drift into a bitterness and such. So it, it is kind of a tension there in scripture and uh, I kind of like that, uh, although I've <laughs> it's been an acquired taste, that John is so blunt. Because uh, I have to say, reading this book many times over the years, uh, my first impression was always, I know it's the Word of God, so I know it's my problem, not its problem, but uh, I wrestle with the fact that it just seems so black and white. But it is from the Lord, so I, I just encourage you, if it strikes you that way, to 
um, you know, just sift it and see, see what he's saying. Take the black and white and then uh, ask the Lord to help you sift your life and things you're doing through it. So, um, yeah, and then he gives these uh, rewards of walking in the light. In verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's, that's a pretty good incentive uh, for walking in the light. And I'm understating that intentionally. That's a rather spectacular reward. So I think we should be uh, incentivized. Um, yes? Could you repeat those Which one are you looking at? Yes, so fellowship with one another. And actually the blank is God and other believers because there's that verse could be taken either way when it says we have fellowship one with another. You know, I must say my look at it is I feel like it seems to most naturally talk about other believers. Um, but I heard a case made pretty well by John Piper that was like, okay, uh, that that fellowship may also be with God, um, because that w is what was talked about in the first few <coughs> verses of that chapter. And I don't see any good reason why it couldn't be both. Uh, certainly there are other verses that would say that. So we have fellowship with one with another, so with God, with other believers. And then uh, again, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So that walking in the light, and I, I do think that's where even the parts of light like openness about, you know, if we do have a sin struggle, uh, like this man up uh, groups that we're doing where we're going through the Heart of Addiction book and kind of talking about what things, are there things in your life that uh, have sort of gotten a hold of you, that uh, they have some mastery over you, and um, how is that going, and what, what can other men do to pray for you and help? Uh, and give input. So, but part of that, and it's I think a wrestle with you know virtually everybody is well, how open should I be? And you know if it's something that you've wrestled with a long time and are struggling with, uh, so those aren't easy things. And there's trust factors, and I don't want to say you just you know blurt out everything to everybody. But again, that uh, walking in the light, even in that sense. Uh, helps us to have fellowship with one another and to be cleansed. All right, and then, uh, and we talked about this a little, but avoiding misunderstandings about walking in the light, that it's, again, not sinless perfection. We've kind of said that. Uh, B is but honest confession, leading to full forgiveness and cleansing. Uh, that's... Uh, I'm going to come back and hit some of these in a little more detail next time, but just to give you the flow. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, and again, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And then uh, still involves pursuing holiness and sanctification but with the assurance of having the perfect advocate, Jesus. So we'll come back and hit that a little bit, and we'll talk a little more about um, how Jesus 
uh, atones in a sense or died for the sins of the whole world. What, is, what does that mean? You can wrestle with that a little bit yourselves so you kind of see where you would land. Uh, any last comments, questions? I will say I've struggled with First John the same way, black and whiteness. I mean, there's been times I've read it enough, so I've been like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't win. Yeah. Um, and yet we know that's not true because none of us are perfect, and that would mean right. there's not any you're saved, but we know that's not true. Right. And it just makes me go back to Ephesians five fifteen: be careful how you walk, not as not as unwise as wise, and. And to First Peter, it says, make, which I also don't understand, make every make, make be diligent to make your calling election sure. I don't know how you do that, right? Yeah. But it's it's constantly thinking about it. Yes. Okay. Well, hopefully, in the end, this will be of some help. And I'm only laughing because I have all the same struggles, uh, or have. Then um, it's interesting. I don't know. If Jay might just be a different personality than me, but it, when you kept saying, um, well, he's, he's seeking to assure them that they're in the faith, and he is, there's no question about that, but I kept thinking, yeah, but he's also scaring us, <laughs> you know, that maybe we're not, or that, uh, at any rate, it, it goes both ways, and I do think that God's the way he makes us and how we're wired and our uh, experiences and, and even how we've reflected with the word. Some of us are very, I had a pastor once who said, I was talking to him about how convicting he was that sometimes it's like, wow, I just occasionally feel a little bit like I'm just you know, crawling out of the sanctuary. And he said, yeah. And he said, that's not really what I want, you know, on a regular basis. He said, sometimes look out over the congregation, I think, I wish about 10 of them would see like a sparrow on the uh, step and, and just kind of get distracted and not hear what I'm about to say, because some of the others really need to. So I do think there are differences in how God works in our consciences, Mark. I was just saying, you know, as a young believer, when I first came to Christ, that was the book I was pointed to, to read huh? Huh? often. And, um, by John MacArthur, actually, and some of his notes. Wow. Were like, read this every day for a month, right? And I know it was strategic. He didn't tell me why. But it, so some of those things are more clear. It might be less clear to us have walked with them for a while. But in the beginning, you're not in church, and he's going, you don't love the brother. And you go, no, I don't, right? So you go, it's more black and white. Yep. It drives you. So in my case, it drove me to the church. It drove me to examine those things. And I think I was a believer at the time. But it wasn't evident, and um, so I think it's to so some of those things are, are pointing to people that that are coming into Christ, and, and they are black and white, right? You don't love the brethren, and you go, oh, I don't. Yeah. You know, I hate Good. the church. I hate the brethren, um, and you have to go. Yeah. Examine that the world you came out of. You came out of a world of darkness, and, mm -hmm. and John speaks to the, those things were kind of black and white and were clear that I needed to, um, you might not be a believer. Yeah, good, okay. All right, let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you that you uh, do know all things uh, and that you know uh, just what is right for each one of us, that your spirit can apply it in the right way. And uh, though we may sometimes wonder or feel unsettled, uh, Lord, that we can trust in you and uh, just your perfect wisdom. 
And Father, we thank you for your perfect love as well. Uh, that is just uh, mind-boggling that any being could be perfect in that, perfect in righteousness. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are a great and awesome God who we get to worship, we get to learn and follow and know, and even through hard things, and we thank you that you bring us through them uh, and that you uh, bless us through them and that you uh, give us benefit. Father, uh, work in each of us this week in those ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.